Hey, it's Tuesday. It's November 20, what, 27th? November 27th. Wow. This month is almost over, y'all. It's almost over. It is the back row with Matt and Mo, except Mo is not here. If you joined us yesterday, you learned that Mo is on vacation. Uh, I was not able to secure a replacement in time for her this week, so I decided to go a different route. And this whole week, we're taking you on a trip back in time to some segments, some discussions, some bits from the Back Row Baptist podcast, which is basically what this show was before. It was a morning show. Uh, we had discussions on specific topics. We usually focused on one thing, an episode, uh, where here on the morning show we focus on several different things over the course of three hours. But uh, we had a lot of great discussions, had a lot of great episodes. Uh, we lasted for almost three years. We had 125 episodes, and uh, there's just there's a lot of great content that I don't want to just have die in the past we got a lot of new listeners since we started the morning show and so we're going to take you on a little bit of a trip all right so we'll have three hours we're going to have three different segments and uh the first segment that we have for you is the great confession this was uh, episode 10 from back in 2015 and it was with me mo and our pastor at the time kevin wellborn uh we're talking about how Christians are supposed to confess our our struggles to each other and uh, how hard it is for us to actually do that. So uh, without further ado, here we go. Back in episode eight, we were talking about gossip and how damaging spreading rumors can be in our churches. Today we're coming at it from uh, another angle, not, not spreading secrets, but instead keeping them locked up inside us or within our families and wearing a mask to cover it up. Uh, I think it's safe to say that our churches are filled to the brim with hurting people. Uh, But even when you ask people you may have known for decades in the church how they're doing, they typically respond with, fine, or it's all good, or even the more pretentious, I'm blessed and highly favored. (laughs) How do you two think church culture became like this in the first place? I think that we all kind of buy into the lie that once you... um once you're walking the Christian walk, once you're walking in faith and you become saved, that everything's going to be great Hmm. and you're not going to suffer from trials or temptations or hardship. Um, And when you do, you think everybody else is doing that and you're the only one who's struggling. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and also it it could in many ways be tied to the gossip issue because... If we're honest with somebody, can we trust them to not talk about mm-hmm. those problems and things like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I, I always encourage people, you know, be completely honest, but with trustworthy people, not just with anybody. Uh, and that's not a, a slam on anybody else. But And then also, there is so much teaching that says, a false teaching, I should say, that says, if you have enough faith, these problems don't exist. So you're doing something wrong if you do have these problems, which I certainly disagree with because I don't think the Bible teaches that nonsense mm-hmm. at all. You know, I think we look to Job and we see he had tons of problems. The Bible says he was a righteous man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think the fault does lie like with all of us. Uh, those who are asking, you know, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Typically, 
want the response to just be fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nobody's, nobody's, yeah. nobody's setting up themselves to really have a sit down. Yeah. Counseling. Tell me about your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, those who have issues don't really want to share for a lot of the reasons y'all mentioned. Um, it really boils down to a sort of selfish mentality, I guess. Uh, honestly, mm-hmm. I, I know that I fall into this mentality a lot too. I'm very introverted. Um, if I'm coming into a, a deep conversation, I need to have time to prepare. Um, so mm-hmm. if I were to ask someone how they were doing and they sat me down and got real and laid out some of the heavy stuff they were dealing with, I'd have a hard time responding right away. Now, send me that same stuff in an email, give me an hour or two to process it, mm-hmm. I can really crank out a good response. But uh, because of that fear I have, I tend to shy away from greeting people in church, uh, hide in the sound booth, and... I guess it's a way of self-protection, too, because like you talked about, we never really know what other people are going to do with our confessions. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know who we can really trust, even in the church, which is sad. Um, But what are some ways that we can confess our struggles with others where we can feel safe? You know, I don't know if if you'll ever feel completely safe doing those things. I think, you know, if you've got a couple of folks that you can be completely honest with without fear of judgment, I mean, that's obviously a blessing in your life, but... I think part of wearing the mask maybe is an issue of safety where you can protect yourself by keeping those secrets. Uh, And so really jumping out there and being honest maybe isn't a safe thing to do. Mm -hmm. I think it's a healthy thing to do, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily safe because people will hurt your feelings. Uh, Sometimes in in a correct manner they'll hurt your feelings. but like you, I'm, I'm, I think I'll probably lean more towards the introvert side. Uh, and I, I'm, I have to process these things and all of that. But to be completely honest, I think we, we do need to be honest, but not all the gory details at all times. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some things I, I preface comments sometimes to people to say, hey, I'm not, just so they know, I'm not telling anybody else this, but dot 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 and I'll tell them that but I don't know maybe just finding somebody will make it the safest thing but I don't know if it'll ever be completely safe you know unless you're having a little talk with Jesus Mm -hmm. you know I think that's the only perfectly safe uh, yeah yeah circumstance I think too you'd be amazed at how the Holy Spirit will lead you to the people that um, he wants to put in your life that God Mm -hmm. wants to put in your life for you to open up to um, I have a close friend who I admire greatly, and way before Chris and I started having any issues, just out of the blue, she started opening up about how she and her husband had gone through a rough time. And then when Chris and I went through a rough time, it made me realize I'm not alone. She, mm-hmm. I admire her not only for the woman she is, but for her ministry and the woman of God that she is and the wife that she is now. Um, so knowing her testimony, and it was just a snippet, it wasn't like Kevin said, gory details or anything. Um, Mm. But I knew that the Holy Spirit had led her to me that. Mm -hmm. And then I was then able to say, you know what, I really, I need to lean on you for this time. You've been there and you can help see me through it. Mm -hmm. And I think too, you know, another thing, and as perfect example is what Megan was talking about. For myself, uh, as a pastor of a church, you know, and not just, not that we're so unique that we we only have certain problems that nobody else has, but <laughs> you feel sometimes like you are. But I think that's for everybody, not just pastors. Well, I'm the only person that's ever mm. gone through this. 
Well, if I've ever talked to other pastors about certain things, they have half a dozen experiences with the same things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not that unique. And, and maybe part of the safety, and, and of course I don't ever discount the Holy Spirit's role in these things, but it is to find somebody that is in a similar situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, a mom to a mom, or a pastor to a pastor, or, or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you have somebody that's a little older than you that's gone through some of those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least is more experienced, maybe. Just not necessarily because they're smarter, but they've dealt with it before. Right. And they can tell you the, the, the good and bad and and uh, all that good stuff. But I, it's scary. You know, even as a pastor, you know, you don't want... You get up there and say you're a sinner and you have struggles. But if somebody says, okay... Uh, enumerate those things for me. I'm like, no, thank what, you. What exactly? <laughs> yeah, we all have our notes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Pride is yeah. not one of them. It's not prideful. Just because you're winning the back rofi games. <laughs> just winning. I'm sorry. So the hypothetical I had was, what if our what if our church was a church without masks? I'm going to bring up Celebrate Recovery, uh, as I often like to do. Uh, For those of you listening, if you haven't heard yet, Celebrate Recovery is a faith-based 12-step program for all habits, hang-ups, and hurts. Uh, One of the things I love about this program is that the first thing it kind of forces you to do is remove your mask. When you introduce yourself, which you have to do before you talk every single time, you say, Hi, my name is blank, and I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with this, this, and this. You have to at least partially be real. Now, you're not getting into the gory details, mm-hmm. but you are letting people know why you're there and um, what you're working on and what you're you're trying to hand over to God. Um, and in front of everybody, no less. So for new people, that can be extremely uncomfortable. But the longer you stay there, the longer you admit your struggles, uh, the more comfortable you become and the more others become comfortable with you. Um Because we all know that we are all struggling with something, but it's so much different when you are open about it. But to see that, how the Celebrate Recovery program works, and try to vision that as how a church could work, uh, I'm not entirely sure we would be able to get the same results and still keep the same people in the seats. Mm -hmm. Um, How would the church be different if it were the same way? If, If everybody basically had to wear their issues on their sleeves? Wow. Um, to, like you said, by, to be honest, I, I don't know if, it, if that would be a beacon uh, or an example of church growth mm-hmm. <laughs> necessarily. Uh, it would scare people to death. But I think you would have more authentic yeah. uh, uh, people there, more authentic uh, worshipers maybe even. But you know, that's what they say. And, and I don't put a lot of stock in the... Um, these cliches and these terms and all of this, but if you read all the ministry things, they say millennials really want authenticity. Yeah, you know, and and I, I that's probably true, but man, how would it be different? It, I don't really know because I don't know if we've seen it. <clears throat> yeah, but it would be drastic. I think maybe we would start to see a little more empathy, but maybe mm-hmm. less attendance. Mm-hmm. I think I think the number of people who attend would definitely shift for a while. <laughs> but the people that were to remain and stick it out would become a little more empathetic. Uh, I think we'd 
pray for other people just a little bit more without having to be asked or having to be told mm-hmm. that, hey, I'm struggling with this. I think it might keep us, uh, each other on our minds a little more. Yeah, I think, not to jump in on you, Megan, here, but, but one of the, the things that I have witnessed is people are quick to judge, mm-hmm. uh, myself included. Now, I don't necessarily share that judgment with other people, but... We that first impression is a lot, mm-hmm. and I have felt before that if I'm going to be stuck in a situation, maybe a, a vehicle with somebody for several hours, I'm not necessarily <laughs> looking forward to it because of my first impression. But then when I find out some of their story, I realize that we have a lot more in common. Mm-hmm. So I think you use a great word that we say empathetic, um, and, and we're slower to condescend and we're slower to gossip because our stuff's out there on the table too. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not wearing wear a mask right yeah I think it could certainly be a a double-edged sword it could be a great thing it could it could encourage people to like you said Matt to pray for one another to um, call out their brothers and sisters by names and you know pray to God and ask for them to strengthen them through their struggle but at the same time once you're stuck with that label Mm -hmm. I'm Megan and I deal with anger and trust well, are we really going to put Megan with the little kids if she deals with anger? Right, we, that's yeah. a good, great good point. point. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. It, it could definitely be a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. It would definitely completely change the way churches would have to work, have to function, and a little bit differently on uh, certain goals. I would think that, for the most part, if... You know, using the example, if we just had to wear a tag on our sleeve that said mm-hmm. everything that we struggled with mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everybody could see, I think for the most part we wouldn't be getting a whole lot of people who weren't already Christians. Yeah. Well, and, and too, I was just thinking about it when when Megan was talking and y'all are both making great points. Same about the New Testament. Okay, so Paul and, and the apostles and the other writers of the New mm-hmm. Testament... I'm trying to come up with a lot of times where they spent much time at all talking about the things they struggled with in the past. They were more focused on the mission mm-hmm. at hand. And I think it goes along with what Megan was saying. We would probably, a good percentage of us, be get too caught up mm-hmm. in somebody's past as opposed to pushing forward for the mission, mm-hmm. well, which is you know increasing the kingdom of God and... and uh, and that type of thing. So right. it's it's necessary, uh, I would think, but also shouldn't become our focus right. because then our focus is on other people, not the Lord himself. So the situation that we're in is basically we're, we're looking at two extremes. One extreme would mm-hmm. be the one where everybody knows everything. The other extreme would be the one where we're currently in in most churches where pretty much nobody knows anything. Right. Unless, you know. Something gets drastic enough that it spreads throughout the church, and it's usually in the form of gossip. Right. So it's trying to get to the point where we can find that balance, that that healthy balance. And part of that is going to be risky. It just mm-hmm. inherently is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, as as we talk about finding people that uh, we know have dealt with similar things, have lived in similar situations, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to set up a dialogue with them, and have you know, smaller community outside of the church as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so lastly, I want to hear about some 
confession in your own lives. I'm not asking you to bear your souls, uh, but tell us ways that confessing your struggles to others has affected you. Uh, just kind of an example I gave earlier. Um, occasionally I'll go out to eat with another younger guy that's a pastor uh, in this area. And uh, we have a good time and we enjoy one another's company. And then just a few minutes of that is spent bouncing things off, uh, things off of each other, what we're dealing with and all of that. And to me it's very encouraging um, because typically he'll have a good uh, snippet of wisdom for me and, and I hope hope that I provide the same for him. But uh, just to confess the struggles that we have, mm-hmm. um, man, it, it is a burden lifted off of your shoulders. I mean, I, I can feel it. It's good for me to get it out there. It's also very difficult for me to get it out there because I don't tell people my business. <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, I I feel like I keep going back to when Chris and I were we're on the brink of divorce, but I mean, that's the biggest struggle that I've had to date, to be honest. And, and it's still kind of a fresh struggle being just, I guess, 16 months new. But, um, one Wednesday during our prayer service here at church, I opened up to the small group that we have and let them know. And the church family came around and, um, prayed over me. Chris wasn't, wasn't there that night. So they prayed over me and it's been, I want to say life-changing for me. Um, When my parents went through their divorce, the church turned their back on them Mm. and uh, kicked my parents out of the church. There was some some nasty details that they knew about, and that was one of the reasons why I kind of found it hard to open up about what Chris and I were going through. I didn't didn't want for the same thing to happen Mm. to us. But um, when I opened up that Wednesday night, And, you know, every Sunday thereafter or every Wednesday thereafter, one specific lady would come up and just hug me. And I knew what that meant and that she didn't have to say anything. She didn't have to pull me aside or make a big deal about it. But she just put her arm around my shoulder and would hug me. And that was encouraging and strengthening to know that someone who um, is well into their marriage and has survived, that she's interceding and praying for me and and lifting my husband and I up. Um, And for Chris as well, he has shared in the past that it was encouraging because people, he thought that people were going to turn their back on him um, and give him a hard time and Mm. not love him anymore, see him in a bad, bad way. But our church family definitely lifted us up and uh, carried us through prayer in that time. That was very life-changing for me personally. Uh, for me, I want to share a story that most people don't know uh, about my testimony because it's really kind of just a side note to the story as a whole. But uh, when I was first caught in my sin, and I'm talking like a couple hours into this process, um, I was waiting on my wife to come home from uh, one of her college classes so I could tell her. We lived on campus, so I was waiting on a bench outside of the married dorms when uh, one of my best friends, Dakota, uh, happened to be strolling by. Uh, and at this point I really just couldn't hold it in, uh, anymore. He sat down next to me and I just let out a decade, uh, of secret sin and pain and guilt, uh, to him. And even though I knew at that moment that this was literally like the third hour of what would 
be years and years of uh, dealing with these terrible consequences uh, and that my life at that moment was just a giant question mark. I remember feeling just such a huge weight lift off my shoulders because um, it really is freeing. I, I'm positive God sent Dakota there first to give me the strength and courage to tell my wife uh, a little while later. Uh, ultimately, confession is a necessary part of Christian growth. Uh, James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It does not say hide all your struggles and be miserable forever until you die a lonely, lonely death. Uh, but I guess you could choose whichever one sounds better to you. <laughs> uh, I must confess we are out of time for today. I hope we've encouraged you to be more open with your struggles because confession is where healing begins. That's going to do it for our first hour. I hope you enjoyed our discussion on confession. Maybe you learned something about yourself. Maybe you looked down deep. You were reflective and introspective. Ah, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. But you know what? Uh, it's time for some music. We're going to take a break. We're going to hit you with some indie music Tuesday. we got some more independent Christian hits coming your way, mixing with our normal stuff. And some Christmas music, too. You know, and we even got some indie Christmas music. We got all three. Whatever. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we hope you enjoy the music. We're going to be coming back in the second hour with another bit uh, called uh, If I Ran My Church, which Mo and I did discuss uh, a few weeks ago, but this was the original discussion. Uh, with a few other voices back from 2015. So uh, join us for that and uh, stick around. Until then, enjoy the music. On this Tuesday morning, joining us in this second hour of the show. Glad to have you with us. And by us, I kind of mean that colloquially because uh, Mo's not here. It's just me. I'm, I'm alone in the studio today. Uh, if you've been listening, Mo is on vacation. And so this week, instead of doing our normal show, we're taking you on a trip back in time, showing you some of our favorite segments from the Back Row Baptist podcast, which was what the show was before it was a morning show. Uh, 125 episodes in our history back then, and uh, we wanted to share some of our favorite parts with you. So today, uh, we've already talked about, uh, what did we talk about in the first hour? Confession. Yeah, we talked about confessing our sins to one another, how difficult that can be, and uh, ways that we can do that without making us the weird person in our church. Uh, but this hour, we're going to go a little lighthearted. We're going to be talking about the hypothetical, if I ran my church, and we don't mean doctrine-wise, we mean, you know, the actual church building. If I was in charge of how things ran around our church, how would I do them differently? Uh, Mo and I did have this discussion as well, and we shared some of this stuff uh, a few weeks ago. But this was the original discussion that that was built off of, uh, and it starred... Myself, Mo, and John Berkey, and Hillary, then named Hillary Peltz, before she married John. So, uh, yeah, it was a weird episode. Hope you enjoy. Today, we're talking about how we would run our churches if we were in charge. 
And when I say this, I'm not talking about doctrine or anything in regards to faith. And when we say church, we mean the building and the programs and what have you, not the church body, as it were. Basically, we mean how certain things are run and handled uh, that we think we could do more efficiently and satisfactorily. Or really, satisfactorily, is that a word? Satisfactory. It is satisfactory, now. But more satisfactory. Satisfactory. Is that what I'm looking for? More satisfactory. Okay. More, yeah, more satisfying. Huge amounts of satisfaction. More satisfaction. <laughs> so much satisfaction. No. <laughs> no. 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 no, no, no. We're going to stop that. <laughs> a while back, I started a hashtag party for if I ran my church and got back tons of responses. So to kick us off, we're going to go around in a circle and read some of my favorite tweets as well as some from the back row. All right. I'll start with one that I wrote. If I ran my church... Mothers who don't take their crying babies out of the sanctuary will be forced to endure five hours of 90s Christian rap. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Sounds, I mean, who is that and how can we get them here? Was that was that you, Matt? I wrote that. Yeah. How can High we five, get you Matt. here? Way to go. I wouldn't consider that a punishment, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is still all right. <laughs> <laughs> this song is really good, though. Um, I'm sorry, DC Talks rap years are grossly overrated. The Doobie Brothers wrote that song. Though. Can you know, please read? That version. Whoa. I can't read. Now, how do you feel? <laughs> you read at a fourth grade level. Now, read the tweet. Hillary is also a bossy pants. Gracious. <laughs> this Hillary is a bossy pants. <laughs> yes. Uh, at Church Husher, who does sound like he's got a lot of ideas for changing the church, <laughs> says, tweets, If I ran my church, microphones would have seven-minute limits. If the Spirit didn't speak to you through, through you by then, the mic would shock you. <laughs> that sounds a little That's a, little a bit mean. extreme. Like, you've got seven minutes to let God speak through you. Seven minutes to go. Sounds like an awesome reality show. No. That's, That's funny. The seven minutes to spirit. <laughs> seven, seven minutes to heaven. That's what I just said! You guys are awful! Don't hit the microphone. Can't hear you complain. <clears throat> At Back Row Baptist tweets, If I ran my church, deacons would be armed with super soakers to keep napping to a minimum. Agreed. <laughs> no, uh-uh, you let me nap. Uh, Stay home if you want to nap. No. At Burn. Dime Paul says... If I ran my church, cup holders would be a standard 52 ounce on the church pews because we thirsty. I hope that means for the word. <laughs> thirsty for the word. I hope that's what that means. We thirsty, y'all. We thirsty. Hope they single men in here. <laughs> All right. At Jim Pemberton says, if I ran my church, anyone who complains to the sound man would have to volunteer to run the board the next time. Ooh, I Amen. like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At BH Sellers tweets, If I ran my church, instead of grape juice and bread, it'd be donuts and chocolate milk. Mm-mm. Addendum, Dr. Pepper and uh, and homemade chocolate chip cookies. I think if these things existed in Jesus' time, it could have very He's well He's Jesus, happened. he could have done it. Megan has a weird face. I don't know how to say her name. Sure. Sure. <laughs> say sure. I'm not going to say it on the podcast. <laughs> Just spell it out. Okay. At Shores tweets, if I ran my church, 
Habitually late members would be assigned to teach the senior adult Bible study class using only the KJV. Hashtag that break them. <laughs> Ouch. At Back Row Baptist tweets, if I ran my church for every minute, over a 30 minute, bleh, 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 bleh. I didn't write it that way. Words are, <laughs> words are hard. At, words at Back Row Baptist tweets, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm a bossy pants, I can't read. To which at John Berkey replies, good point, Matthew. (laughs) Can you be quiet so I can attempt to read this? Thank you. At Back Row Baptist tweets, if I ran my church for every minute over 30, the sermon goes, the pastor must eat a live worm. (laughs) You heard Kevin Lover? I think Kevin, though, is uh, like cares enough about the word, he'd be like, I'll preach as long as I want, and I'll eat these worms at the same time. True. So, one minute, let me tell you something else. I don't know why Kevin all of a sudden just, said to become gangster. He, he just set a big giant bucket on the worms and like, I got some stuff to tell y'all. Starting at minute one. All right. Last one is also by me, at Matthew S. Coker. If I ran my church, people would be baptized in a tub of KFC gravy. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting. Welcome to a Baptist church. Yeah. Welcome I'd... to Trump's America. Welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> oh, so a lot of good fantasy suggestions there. No. One thing that Hashtag Party got a lot of suggestions for uh, was alternative communion foods. Uh, we featured the one that had donuts and milk. We also had Doritos and Mountain Dew, mm. uh, Red Lobster, Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Ooh, oh, I'm okay oh. with that. Let's break some bread. <laughs> yes. Here's my problem with communion wafers. Like, let's just, it's it's 2016. Let's get some yeast up in let's there. Let's get some yeast. But let's, we understand the symbolism. We all get it. Let's leaven it up. <laughs> and we even uh, had a suggestion uh, of like liven. grape Pop-Tarts to get both. In one bite. Two in one. Kill two birds with one stone. There's such a thing as great Pop-Tarts? Yes, and watermelon Pop-Tarts. This this is Trump's America. No, there there are now soda-flavored Pop-Tarts. There's root beer. A&W root beer (laughs) Pop-Tarts. Your scientists were so worried if they could, they didn't ask if they should. We watched Jurassic. Why are we talking about Pop Tarts? Because we're hoping Pop Tarts gonna send us a send kind us like an endorsement. Yeah, right. Pop Tart, Pop Tart, Pop Tart. We love Pop Tarts. We know. don't go with the Walmart brand of Pop Tarts. We buy the real deal. The poop toots. <laughs> That's Walmart brand. <laughs> and they're right next to the muffin top. <laughs> Some of the ideas we got were actually pretty legitimate, many of which were pointing out flaws in the system or trying to make certain people uh, make sure that certain people got the respect they deserved, like the sound booth worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are some changes that you'd make in the church if it were up to you? Uh, I'll start with mine, though, while you can think of yours. If something is announced 
in the bulletin <laughs> and from the pulpit and on the church calendar and on the church Facebook page and on the church website. And you come up and ever utter the phrase, well, I didn't know this was happening. You immediately have to clean all the church bathrooms before you go home because that's crap. <laughs> crap. Dropping the mic. Yes. Can you drop this really quick? Yes. Mic drop. What about you guys? Uh, my, my suggestion is um, get rid of uh, business meetings. And any any type of council meeting, and it's your church is run much like Ron Swanson's America, where there is one man in a room by himself with a button, and his only job is to decide what churches to nuke. <laughs> are women brought to this? And women, are brought to, women and and pork products are brought to him as 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 an offering. As an offering, Ooh, that sounds terrible. For everybody else except that person. Exactly. <laughs> I don't like Trump's America. <laughs> that would be Trump. Exactly. <clears throat> Reverend Trump. Sorry. Mega Reverend Trump. There's nothing that annoys me more than hearing Kim Possible in the background. <laughs> Not necessarily Kim Possible, but... That's their That's Power Rangers. I'm sure every smart listener knows that. During the sermon or during prayer. So I feel that there should be a basket before you enter the sanctuary where you have to check your phone in so that there will be no more ringtone interruptions during important moments. You know what? That's actually not a bad idea because when I was in high school, we used to do a thing called fifth quarter, uh, which was after football games. Everybody would meet at like one of the local churches, and we just play games, eat a lot of food, duh, just so kids aren't like out after the football game partying and doing whatnot, like they're actual adult supervision and that sort of stuff. So we're all gathered in this in this big area, and uh, the youth pastor, uh, Tyler, he was praying at the time, and it's real quiet, and all of a sudden, this kid's phone goes off, and it's Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On," <laughs> <laughs> and he could not get to his phone, so it was like. Knock and finish rhyme, baby. <laughs> and the kids just like scramble around with hands in the pocket. Lyrics. Those are not the lyrics. <coughs> <coughs> I've been really trying, oh, baby. Or are the lyrics. Trying to hold back so All right, well, you know what? You're right. Uh, the other day at a worship service, not worship service, prayer service on Wednesday night, I was sitting in the back and I forgot to meet my phone. I'm usually really good about meeting my phone. So it's usually John's that you hear. <laughs> um, I was sitting there, and we were, they had all, everyone had started praying, and uh, we had gotten to the very end where Pastor Kevin does the last thing. And I've been selling some things on eBay lately, and when you get a new bid on eBay now, the app does a really loud register noise, like ching-ching, <laughs> like making money. And that, that happened you? right during prayer. <laughs> I'm like, oh no! So glad that didn't happen after the offering announcement or anything like that. Ching ching. So yeah, phones off would be a good idea. All right, now it's my turn. I got a few things. Let me just get on my list real quick. No, so my okay. Everyone would dress appropriately at my church. Everybody, everybody, 
What's appropriate? Okay, appropriate. I wear I wear Daisy Dukes one time to church, <laughs> and suddenly I told you you're not allowed. To, I'm just saying that you know you wear shorts like sh- uh, sleeveless shirts. Just keep things that keep your biz- your bikini zone <laughs> covered. You can't even can't even explain. You're I just so zone riled up. Just keep it covered. Like, That's all. I would say keep more zone. than no, your bikini no, zone. No, I mean. That's the important part, but you know. Like, Should everyone wear snuggies to church? Is that what you're saying? Yes. You know what? Some guy made a bajillion dollars because he sold a backwards <laughs> robe. <laughs> That's what he did. Let's just talk about that for a second. No, a backwards no. robe. So what you'd like to have is a snuggie sign out. So <laughs> as we come into church, we hey. all you drop on your phone and you get and your you snuggie. get a snuggie. This is a Boom. wonderful church this is, that we're building. This is starting to sound a lot like a cult. <laughs> I also... No gets, phones. Everybody has to dress exactly alike in long white robes. Everyone we didn't say white. I know. Uh, Jesus can wear white. There's zebra print. You can get a blue one. You can get a pink one. You, you can, can get, get one Superman that's like body. your favorite sports team or your favorite superhero. Okay, I'm just saying. <clears throat> I'm just saying. I, on a serious note, when the though, comet comes to get us, you can dress however you want as long as it's in a snuggie. <laughs> Um, I would, it, at my church, everyone would be excited to sign up for things. Like, ooh, I want to volunteer. This is going to be great. And then they would Look, show up some, on some of the Look, some of the stuff might be doable, but if you want to talk unrealistic. <laughs> Hush your mouth. Totally realistic. <laughs> I also think that with your Snuggie, you should get, like... You could have a pouch with for your snacks. Okay, but not just for your snacks. You get like an arsenal of little bubble gum, the the little round bubble gums. Because I feel inspired by this whole deacon carrying squirt guns thing for the church nappers. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> little bubble gum being thrown at your head when you're talking during church. Or when you're goofing off or laughing. Or it would hurt. It would hurt, but, but you wouldn't get a think treat. about doing it again. No, I feel like, I feel but like, then you'd get a treat. I feel like you should chew the bubble gum up like, first. So Sour Patch Kids, that's what we should have. Oh, gosh. Just, <laughs> and just sticks to the back of their head. Because Ha-ha. they're sour, now you got to get a haircut. Sweet. And I know a girl named Samantha who give you a mm-hmm. really good one. We're going to shave your head tonight. <laughs> Okay. Okay, so that's, now, so that's now we're enough. passing out robes. You can't have cell phones and we're shaving your head. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not going to the same church you're going Nike to. Nike shoes, Pop-Tarts, Kool-Aid. What else? I'm very uncomfortable and I'd like to go home. <laughs> I don't want to go to this church. Oh, gosh. I okay. want to go to the church with Snuggies and, and, and water guns. And um, with that... I think, well, uh, I think as, a, as a worship leader... Um, I would I would make get, have a suggestion box, and no one would ever be able to talk to me directly. They have to put it in the box. It's too loud. Put it in the box. You don't like the is song the, choice? Put it in the box. Is the box? <laughs> put it in the box. Like and the right, box is a shredder. Right a above a shredder. shredder. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and with that, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are saying, if I ran that podcast, I'd wrap it up for today. Oh boy, that one was different. Oh, hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. That was one of the the funniest bits I think we've done uh, on the show. But you know what? I say that, 
there were quite a lot of funny bits. So, you know, we're just early in the early in the first uh, 15 episodes, I think, right now. So, you know, who knows? Who knows where we're going to go from here? Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us for the second hour. We got a third hour coming up. We're going to be diving into one more topic this morning. Let's find out what that is, shall we? We'll be talking about worship music and if it is manipulative. Uh, again, this is something that Mo and I have discussed on the show, uh, but we had a more in-depth conversation with a couple worship leaders uh, back in 2015, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, is worship music manipulative? Should we actually have it in church? Uh, is it, is it uh, forcing us to feel things that we shouldn't uh, or wouldn't otherwise feel? You know, yeah, it's a good conversation. We had a good one. So stick around for that in the third hour when we come back. Uh, until then, it's Indie Music Tuesday. We got more of the independent Christian hits mixed in the mix today, along with some Christmas music and some of our favorites. And and uh, gosh, it's just it's 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 a good time to be alive. Uh, stick around. We'll see you in the third hour. Here on the morning show of Back Row Radio, the Back Row Morning Show. Uh, basically, that's what it is, and that's where you're at. We have got another awesome flashback for you this morning, because Mo is out of town, and I don't have a co-host, and I'm also kind of sick. And so we're, we're phoning it in on our side, but for a really cool replacement, where we're diving back into our annals of history the Back Row Baptist Podcast, our original iteration of this show before it became a morning show on Back Row Radio. Uh, we had 125 episodes, uh, which I would say at least 90% of them were dope. So we got some great discussions, great bits, and uh, we've been sharing those with you these last two days. We're going to keep them going all the way through Thursday. And uh, today on, on the third hour here, we've got our discussion on worship music and if it is too emotionally manipulative. Now, like I said last hour, this is something that Mo and I have discussed on the morning show since it began, but the original discussion that we had happened back in 2015, and it was with a couple worship leaders or a couple worship band members, so uh, people that were directly involved, while Mo and I aren't all that involved in worship music besides singing occasionally. Uh, so, you know, we got some pretty good perspectives, pretty good discussion out of this, and I think it's a topic that you will find very interesting with the conclusions that we, we kind of reach. So let's just dive in. This is Manipulative Worship with me, John Berkey, and our special guest, uh, whom I don't remember his name. Uh, hold on, I'm going to have to look it up. Joseph Brazil. Joseph Brazil. That was the name. That was our, our guest. Uh, let's go. Today, we're talking about the idea that worship music played in service is wrong because it's emotionally manipulative. For those who don't know, John here is a worship leader at our home church. Both have been involved in music ministry for several years, correct? Right. I think between between us over 20 years. Goodness gracious. At least for me. I think 12 years? 12 for you? 12 for me. 
Yeah. I've been playing since about ninth grade. Cool. So, yeah. So, so, yeah. Good, uh, for a while. Uh, over 20. <laughs> so long. We don't want to talk about how long ago that was. <laughs> so there's a small faction of folks that are pretty outspoken about how worship music is has largely become a way to trick people into having a spiritual experience or at least feeling like they're having a spiritual experience yeah. and that we ventured away from what true worship is all about. Now, uh, to be fair, most in this movement are referring more to what is commonly referred to as megachurch worship, which, you know, includes, uh, you know, lighting changes, smoke machines, the whole concert atmosphere. Yeah. (laughs) But some simply refer to playing music at all, uh, you know, such as uh, a worship leader playing a light guitar part behind the pastor as he begins the altar call. Some think that this would emotionally manipulate someone into feeling an urge to respond and that that's a bad thing. So, just let me get your initial thoughts. Is worship music emotionally manipulative? Yes. Can you elaborate? <laughs> Please, give me something to work with. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I can't. Um, yeah, it, it, well, all music is, is emotionally manipulative. Mm-hmm. All music and all, you know, art forms, but especially music, make you feel something. Mm-hmm. Whether that's, you know, happiness, whether that's some form of joy, whether it's some form of sadness, um, whether it's anger, like, everything. All music makes you feel something. Um, and so, it would be foolish to think that worship music does any differently. Uh, but, is it a bad thing? Is it, is it, so, is it so rough to... Um, to allow kind of an avenue for people to express these emotions that maybe they wouldn't feel as comfortable expressing, mm-hmm. you know. Joseph, your thoughts? Yeah. Webster's Dictionary defines manipulation as... <laughs> I'm so sorry. He's pulling out Webster's Dictionary! He just started this like every... Every... Uh, <laughs> Keeping it honest. Webster's Dictionary <laughs> defines oh, fear. Um, you know, to, to tell you the truth, when I when I heard um, the topic for today's uh, discussion, I I I had never really thought of it. It was, it was music, and kind of like you said. What manipulating does is it to me manipulating has a like kind of two different kind of connotations to it. It can be a good and a bad. Um, the bad clearly is making you do something that maybe you didn't know you were, you know, uh, that you didn't want to do or that you weren't planning to do. Um, and I don't think music in worship, let me make that clear, um, music in worship can make me do anything that I think the Holy Spirit wouldn't um, lead me to do, basically. I think um, music in worship, Worship is kind of the the doorway. It, it helps prepare my heart for for worship, and um, I don't know. I I think it it gives me that that chance to, like I said, stretch stretch my muscles and get and open up that line of communication with the Lord. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, that's good. So so we are saying that at least in some ways, worship music is emotionally manipulative. But that phrase, you know, manipulation, it has a bad connotation to it, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean something wrong. You know, we're talking about, is that a bad thing? Um, 
you know, as you said, it, it kind of prepares you. It opens up, opens the doorway for your heart. Uh, you know, my big deal, uh, music has been a big deal in my life. It's a big deal in a lot of people's lives. Um, but I feel like nearly every time, uh, you know, at least 90% of the times that I felt uh, a connection with God or, or, or feel, felt really in tune with the Holy Spirit is trying to, you know, tell me something, it's been enveloped in music. Uh, whether that be in, in a worship setting or, or as much as, you know, we love to bag on K-Love for being overly saccharine and, and sweet sometimes. Too positive encouraging. Right. <laughs> at the same <laughs> right. at the same time, that, that a lot of the music that's played on there is, is hope for a lot of people. Um, and that's one of the main reasons why they try to put a K-Love transmitter near every prison in America because, you know, for people in situations where they're at their lowest point and sometimes that's the only hope that they can get is through music sometimes that's the only positive escape that they can have um there's plenty of ways to escape our 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 set to cope with our our daily lives and and you know our stress and whatever and most of them are bad <laughs> drugs yeah. and alcohol yeah. and pornography and what have you <clears throat> but uh, music, especially worship music, music that is, is supposed to be glorifying to God, uh, I would I would think that that would be a very positive escape because you're not escaping from reality; you're embracing the reality of, of Christ around you and and the hope that you can have if you can turn your eyes to Jesus as opposed to focusing solely on the bad stuff in your life. Well, and we, um, you know, as, as a worship leader and, you know, and I know as, as Joseph who plays with me, um, our, our job is to facilitate worship and facilitate, um, that, that communication with God. And so, and prepare people's hearts for, uh, what's going to be said in the sermon or what's going to go throughout the week. Um, and so it's, you know, it's our jobs to try to create uh, moments in worship. And I think that, that some people, um, you know, in this movement may kind of be a little bit worried about the idea of creating moments and trying to, you know, do things a certain way. But really, all it is is, is putting people into a mindset. It's kind of like if, um, if I gave... Uh, my girlfriend two options I can go to Rib Crib which is a local barbecue joint or I can take her to San Francisco Steakhouse in Dallas, Texas both places she's going to get fed both places they're going to bring her a drink of some sort there's going to be bathrooms napkins napkins salt shakers everything crayons on the table (laughs) but Exactly. Well, but exactly. But, you know, in one of those places, they're working a little bit harder to give you an experience. Both places, you're going to walk away being just as fed. Um, Rib crib, maybe a little bit more because you got like that three meat combo deal. (laughs) But, you know, it, whereas with the more, uh, Expensive, the the nicer upscale upscale places. You're you've got an experience, and you've got you know um, just an all around uh, better feeling when you left. And so it's the same way with worship music. You know, we we want to do our best 
to give people the opportunities, as many opportunities as we can, to connect with God on, on, a, on an emotional level. And so if that means playing certain chord progressions certain ways, then, then yeah, I'm going to do it. Because God has called me to lead people in worship. And that's what worship is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right, John. I think um, God designed music as a, as a gift and it's definitely, you could even call it a kind of the universal language around our world. Everybody responds to it. Everybody um, uh, use it. They, they respond to it. They connect to it in, in different cultures, different ways. It's shared by everybody. Um, I think music in church, it's, it's there to enhance um, the, the connection with God. And, and it encourages us to um, open up that line of communication with the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's another time of uh, prayer. Especially when you go in and you can, um, you're a little more focused. You're you know you're not at home. You're not in the car. You're not at work. There's there's a there's more of a mindset um, when you're surrounded by others that are singing and, and listening to the music, and um, you can really feel the Holy Spirit there. Especially I've been in uh, worship services before where kind of the the set list got kind of put to the side because one song was just really really moving yeah. you could feel the holy spirit moving it wasn't the music so much that was manipulating the you know making us feel that it was just it, you could feel the holy spirit moving and the people wasn't, were responding wasn't so to much it. that they planned on playing how great exactly. it was for 30 minutes <laughs> but it happens right you take what you take one bridge repeat and the next thing you know it's no. lunchtime no this happened um, when i was in youth camp we went to uh, a lives ablaze conference and uh, we were there, and the worship the worship band was leading, and then uh, I think it was Larue, that brother and sister yeah, right. uh, contemporary band was supposed to come on right after them. Well, this worship band ended with "How Great Is Our God," and you know it ended with you know them taking the music away, and it was just the whole room singing it. Yeah, and we just kept singing it Absolutely. to the point where it went so long in the room to the point where the people on the stage. We're freaking out. They had all. They were all up there. What do we do? You know, you could see them. You could see them. I don't know what to do. They're just. It just keeps going. I mean, it felt like it went on for fifteen minutes. It probably was only about five, but it was five minutes longer than they planned on it going on. But you could just. Everybody else in that room could just feel that moment, and that was something. That was the moment of the entire conference that we couldn't. Uh, you know that everybody remembered. I don't remember. You know how well Larue did up on the stage. I don't remember the speaker, but I remember that moment when we were all in tune with that that with the Holy Spirit, with the worship in that in that moment, and that's something that uh, I've never forgotten. I don't think I ever will forget because it was an empowering moment. Um, I mean, music is supposed to tap into emotions, like John said at the beginning. Um, Like, if we took the situation, uh, like I mentioned before, with the altar call, and say, uh, we compare and have one person, the pastor gets up there and he starts doing the altar call, you know, if you're here today and you feel Jesus tugging on your heart, you know, come up and pray with us or or come pray in the steps or whatever. But we have no music. And we're just all kind of sitting there in the room, quietly, waiting for someone to go up there and pray if they want. That is incredibly awkward, yeah. Yeah, I number feel one, awkward yeah. listening to you describe. Yeah, this. <laughs> <laughs> number one, that will feel incredibly awkward to everyone in the room. Number two, anybody who 
might want to go pray is very much less likely to do that in that situation because they're going to, number one, feel like all eyes are on them. Uh, but number two, there's no emotion. You might have been feeling something during the prayer, and that's fine. And, you know, God can move in any situation. I'm not going to take that away. You know, it's very possible that, that you know, someone would go up and accept Christ or something in this situation. But, like we say, that, like you said, Joseph, you know, the music really is the doorway, you know, walking into this worship experience. We want to unlock that emotion. We want someone to, to be listening to everyone in the room praising God and realizing that this is something that they don't have and they want. And I feel like that that would be, for the majority of people, the only way that they'd feel comfortable walking up uh, and talking to the pastor or, or even some people just getting prayer in their life uh, is through music. What do you guys think? Well, this is all part of a, <clears throat> a bigger, um, this idea of, of can worship music manipulate people. This is all um, just one small piece of a big idea that came about uh, a couple years ago when um, an article was written about boycotting the worship industry because uh, they thought that we were, um, you know, emotionally manipulating people, but also we were uh, idolizing worship leaders, and we were getting mega church worship leaders and guys like Chris Tomlin. We thought, well, we're we're turning those guys into worship idols instead of people who are facilitating worship, and um, you know, we're getting that it was just this big, huge idea of like, you know what, we need to just take a step back, and and the intentions were good because I think the intentions of it are to step back and go, okay, we want to make sure that people are coming to Christ for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, that we're not Genuine. we're not forcing people into, uh, you know, wanting salvation through Christ that they don't want. We want, like you said, genuine uh, salvation and genuine love. Um, and so, so the, the, it's, it's not a bad thing. But I think it, it kind of got taken a little bit too far, and I don't. I think, I don't think people really see Chris Tomlin or David Crowder as idols mm. um, necessarily. They're just really good at what they do, mm. and they really are. <clears throat> Shout out to Chris Tomlin and David Crowder if you're listening. <laughs> well, Joseph, you have any final thoughts for us on this? Surprised John didn't drop the sloppy wet kiss reference <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> We don't see any problems. Right. That's, that's another debate. That's another topic for another podcast. We can do an entire podcast. That's a whole show. Right there. Entire podcast. Sloppy wet versus unforeseen, which is a little weird too. Like yeah, there's unforeseen. Well, unforeseen one unforeseen speaking up behind somebody. Are, yeah. It's like yeah. it's like an RKO. It's just out of nowhere. Watch out for John. Unforeseen kiss. Yeah. Um, no, I. I, I, I agree. I think, um, like you said, Chris Tomlin writes, man, he, he writes some very biblically sound, um, how great is our God, the, the, the true meaning of what we're there to worship for, exalting God and, and saying how great he is and lifting him up. And um, I think it's it's almost a worship is a, a lack of a better term, it's a spiritual cleansing of, of a time. I've come away from many worship services feeling just a great weight lifted off my shoulders, you know, because of that time to get to just 
to pray and to and let let the music you know God speak through the music and feel that and uh, I don't know I've never I've never felt like coming away from a, a worship service feeling like I was duped or tricked into <laughs> feeling a certain way you know what I mean because of the music gotcha. no, wait, wait. <laughs> Uh, and that's not their intent. <laughs> they tricked me. They tricked me into Jesus. feeling that way. Or Wait a second. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, not I, again. Uh, so. This happened last week at the Lutheran Church. Gosh. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. I I feel I feel very strong. I, I think the the Holy Spirit's the one that leads us to yeah. to go. Um, to, to answer God's calling and, and go to the front or, you know, in that, in that sense. Um, and the music is kind of the, the background mood setter and the, the enhancement of it. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess we've come to the consistent consensus that, uh, worship music is emotionally manipulative, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, cause all music is meant to be emotional. And that wraps up our third hour. Thank you for joining us on this show. Uh, we have got just a little bit left for you at the end of this hour. We're going to come back. I'll give you your Bible verse and your thought for the day, as well as remind you about our currently ongoing contest where you can win some dope prizes. Uh, it's coming to an end pretty soon, so you wanna go, you're going to want to get involved, man. You're going to want to get your entries in. So uh, stick around. Enjoy some more Indie Music Tuesday, some more independent Christian hits mixed in with our normal mix. And uh, I'll see you shortly. By the way, did I mention we got Christmas music playing now? Because we got Christmas music playing now, and I'm excited. Are you excited? Because I'm excited. morning show as we are closing out your Tuesday. We got your Bible verse and thought for the day. Bible verse for the day is Colossians 3.16. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And your thought for the day is Aaron Davis. She says, prayer and thanksgiving work like a one-two punch to knock the wind out of our anxiety. Uh, before we sign off, we want to remind you of our giveaway beginning last week and over the course of the next, I guess, week and a half uh, in our Facebook group, which is named Back Row Baptist Church. We will randomly post our giveaway image. And if you share this image, we'll get you added to the random drawing. And each time we post the image, you can share it again for another entry. Uh, but what are we giving away? We're giving away two awesome things from our featured indie metal band, one of our favorites, uh, Three Days Under. We've got an XL t-shirt and their full album. And we're also throwing in a copy of our original BR Games party game, Judge Not, which is uh, it's a card game. Christian game of specs and planks. Uh, it's funny. It's uh, slightly controversial, and you know what? It'll it'll grow your group even closer together. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on the show last week. The prize is worth over fifty bucks. Join our group by searching Back Row Baptist Church 
on Facebook. Or you can just go to brbchurch.com and it'll lead you right there. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're here every Monday through Thursday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific with an encore presentation at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific. If you ever miss one of our shows, you can find all the chatty bits mashed together into a podcast for you over on backrowradio.com or most places you can get your podcasts. That's it for today's show. If you need us, we'll be in the back. Bye.